Welcome to Speaking Highly with John Huck. I am your host, John Huck. Uh, with me, as always, the amazing Indy Fawcett. Um, if you like what you see, if you enjoy the show, if you're digging the episodes, like, rate, review, get on YouTube, leave a comment, let us know if there's guests you'd like to see, people you'd never want to see again. <laughs> I don't know why you would do that, but... Uh, here's who I don't want you to have on. Like, eh, we're not doing that. But <laughs> keep scrolling. Uh, if you've got constructive criticism, I'll take it. But if you're just going to insult me or how shiny or weird I look, I'm not going to pay that any hey, fucking I, I attention. I told you to to uh, dab up before the show. Yeah. So hey, that's. <laughs> I'm trying to keep we're those comments. Yeah. From coming yeah, down. yeah. I try to keep the comments not about my appearance <laughs> or about my manners. Um. Or burp. But yeah, if you like what you see, you know, it, it helps us to just know that people are out there. So uh, we'd appreciate it. Um, and today we are talking about celebrating, if you will, my, I want to say third or fourth job total as a production assistant in Hollywood. So I'd worked on a couple things and then I got hired on the Jamie Kennedy experiment. And that's who we're talking to today, Jamie Kennedy. He basically brought hidden camera back to the forefront of American television and I believe spawned punked scare tactics off their rockers real wedding crashers any hidden camera show you've seen I mean honestly candid camera started it and Jamie was never shy about giving props to Alan Font and talking about how great candid camera was and how much he liked it as a kid and then his show took it to the next level. He played every character. He would do prosthetics, f- paint his face. He would do whatever he could. He played women. He played men. Whatever to make him not look like the guy from Scream, he was, you know, these characters. And it, honestly, I don't think um, he gets enough credit for being as good an actor as he is. Because we talk about this a little bit, but as an actor, if you get a part in a movie or a TV show and it's recurring and you're going to be in it for a while, you grow that character. You start with what you know about the character. You can add a little backstory. You can grow the character. And then the writers will grow the rest, you know, and you kind of grow together. And you're, But you're playing the same person day in, day out. You go to work. You put that wardrobe on. You're that guy. Jamie came to work every time and had to be a different person. So it was like... Three, four, five, six hours of prosthetics, you know, wardrobe changes, and then carry yourself different and have a different accent and speak differently and, you know, do different things with your eyes. Like he made every character original and interesting and did a great job, man. And the, he, Jamie's very um, complimentary about the crew that was on that show. Everybody on that show worked insanely hard. And it's nice that that's not lost on him. There are people that, well, I'm the talent, I without the show, no one's watching without me, and yes, that is true. And yes, everybody is replaceable for the most part. But when you work on a show where everyone kind of just kind of meshes without really trying, you can make something special. And I think that's what happened with the Jamie Kennedy experiment. Um, yeah, he... I do show him this. Oh, my softball oh, yeah. jersey. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. I don't, I don't know if you can see my name on the back. Of course. Hot Tub. Hot Tub was my nickname given to me by the AD, who I, I didn't even mention this to Jamie, but I was like hung over one day at work unloading a truck, and this guy walks by, and he's Brett Dos Santos. I'll never forget this. He goes, hey, let's go, Hot Tub. Hurry up with those boxes. <laughs> 
or maybe you call me Johnny Hot Tub. And then my buddy walking by goes, did you just call him Hot Tub? And he goes, yeah. And it was something that Patrick Warburton, Putty from ah, Seinfeld, yes. had said to him on the tick. He'd, he'd called him Hot Tub yeah, or something. Yeah, Hot Tub. So, so, yeah, wow, yeah. dude, that was pretty fucking good. Is that a good one? That yeah. well, you made the hey, the face, dude. That's a good like. <laughs> I love Patrick was, Warburton. Anytime I get dude. get to do a Patrick Warburton impression, I I, I, I do it. Squeak, squeak. Uh, do you, are there a lot of those times? Do you get a lot? You're like anytime uh, I get the chance. My like, girlfriend really loves it, so I'm, I'm milking. <laughs> You're doing it all around the house all day. Well, yeah. Didn't well, Patrick he, Warburton. He played uh, Kronk in uh, 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 the Emperor's New Groove, which starred uh, the great oh. uh, David Spade. Um, okay. The animated film from Disney from the yes, from yeah, the early I was like, 2000s, what? I don't which I was a child when it came out. Uh, <laughs> so, nonetheless, there's nostalgia there when I when I uh, when I uh, impersonate Kronk. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of nostalgia, did you watch the Jamie Kennedy experiment? I did. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, uh, I think my brother my brother was probably more of the 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 age demo at the time, but I definitely yeah. remember it as a staple of like you gotta watch this show, like it's it's a must see, you know, and it's like it like took it like it captivated culture of young people, you know. Yeah, like, and and I don't I don't think it gets credit for that. Like no. it, 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 I feel like it did that. If you talk to anybody in the Midwest or that wasn't in Hollywood that didn't really know TV, they were they loved it. They loved it. They thought it was great, you know. And then like like Jamie talks about just people like oh you had that kooky little show like that's so disrespectful. Like yeah. first of all, every TV show is a fucking triumph because the the fact that anything can get made in this town, organizing schedules, pulling permits, getting camera guys, the whole, everything that goes into making a television show, a movie, a fucking web series, a short, a fucking five minute sizzle reel is on paper. It looks impossible every single time. Um, So the fact that this show was able to maintain and get made and be funny and influence a lot of people. You know what I mean? Like the, that's the thing is that I think it influenced people and it, and it brought hidden camera back to the forefront of American television. Like I said, yeah, uh, I think it, it, uh, it was unfortunate that I think punk punk stole its luster a little bit in that it kind of like punk was like, I like to make this age old, uh, ancient, uh, 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 comparison that punk is like the East India trading company. Meaning that they're the second there, but they they've kind of saw the land and they 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 think they could do it better and they'll make more money, you know, and it's more popular. Yeah. And it's like on the backs of you know Candy yeah. Camera and Jamie Jamie Kennedy experiment, you know, and it's yeah, it's unfortunate, you know, but also like would it have been made had Jamie Kennedy experiment not been made? I mean, yeah. the, the only argument I would say is Ashton was such a big name that if that, but would he would they have come up with the idea? Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like. Is that something that they even comprehend if without the Jamie Kennedy experiment's popularity? Again, these aren't questions I can answer, and I'm not pretending to have answers to them. But it is always interesting to think about, like, if Jamie doesn't make that show, what is the landscape of TV? What does happen with, you know, where? Wh- first of all, where does my career go? If I'm not a PA on that show, I mean, I was out of work after 9-11 for almost a full year, you know, Jeez. and... I would have had to take whatever the first thing that was that came my way. And it happened to be the Jamie Kennedy experiment. But what if it wasn't? You know what I mean? Because then I went from PA to a producer on Punked. You know, it was, it, it, it helped start my career in Hollywood, basically. Yeah. And Jamie was a good boss. He was a nice guy. I, mean, I say boss. It wasn't like he told us what to do. He was focused on acting and doing these characters. I had a 
several other bosses that told me what well, to he do. Breaks, he, also, he breaks that stereotype of, like, don't meet your idols. Like, he's a comedy god and also not an asshole. You, you know, you know what I mean. And it's just like it's like it's one of those things where it's like, wow, this is this was a really fun. Uh, also, talk. I will say, I'll say this, and I don't know, you know, Philadelphia gets a rap for having the shittiest sports fans in the world, <laughs> and I used to buy into that hardcore. Like you throw snowballs at Santa, you're all pieces of shit. They throw <laughs> batteries at opposing fans at Phillies games. It's like, what a bunch of dirtbags, right? And then. I'm not even kidding you when I say that everybody I've met in Los Angeles that's from Philly that is an Eagles fan or a Phillies fan or a uh, um, Broad Street Bullies, who are the, the Flyers, a Flyers fan, or the 76, whatever, they're the best people I've met. I'm uh, we, There's like there's Jimmy Kennedy, Jimmy Schubert, Sean Green, Steve Simone, those guys alone, Hoyt Richards. I, there's so many people I know from Philly that I'm like, Oh, you're you're awesome. Like, and even when we're talking shit about sports, they're still awesome. So it's, I guess I have to kind of not spread the lie that Philadelphia might have the worst fan base. Well, I think when you're maybe when, when they get together in groups, that's one thing. But exactly, that's what I was just about to say. I think it's the mob rule, and you know, yeah, when you see hundreds of other people doing stuff that you know you Snowballs won't get in trouble at Santa. for. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 but but so I mean, LA anyway, has Jamie's... terrible sports too. I mean, people get murdered in the uh, at Dodger yes, Stadium. That is every true. Year. That is very true. Yeah. Dodgers fans uh, as a group are a little rough. Yeah. Now um, Dodgers uh, fans versus Eagles fans, that'd be a fun fight. Let's that would be a great <laughs> rumble. They could have <laughs> that happened. in the parking lot at Dodger <laughs> Stadium. Just line everybody up and just have a giant like how they do it in Game of Thrones. Just run at each <laughs> other like. <laughs> <laughs> and whoever's left standing gets to be the worst fan. There you go. There you go. Well, um, I don't have too much more to say about the Jamie Kinney experiment other than if you haven't seen it, I don't even know where you could find it now, but I'm sure you could probably buy episodes of it maybe on Amazon. I don't know. I'll have to look into it. But if you haven't seen it, check it out. It was very well done. Jamie is immensely talented. The write, the writing was funny. The you know The creators of it were funny. The crew was great. I'm still friends with a lot of those people, which is a rare thing if anyone's wondering in Hollywood. You work on a show, you, the show ends, bye-bye, never see you again. Um, but I kept in touch with a lot of them. So it was a big part of my life uh, just getting to work on it, and uh, I hope it was a big part of yours if you got to watch it. And I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jamie Kennedy. All right, guys, here I am with uh, Jamie Kennedy from the Jamie Kennedy Experiment, and obviously so much more, but we are going to focus on the Jamie Kennedy Experiment. It was, um, it kind of brought, it, not kind of, it brought Hidden Camera back to television. Do you know what I mean? Like we had had, Candid Camera was a thing. I don't. Other than Candid Camera, I don't remember a hidden camera. Oh, no, there was Spy TV. There was... So those kinds of things were sort of making a, a, a blip, becoming blips on the radar. Like, people were starting to notice that. Um, From one my my recollection is Candid Camera created it and was the OG. Then you had something called Totally Hidden Video on Fox. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. the first year I moved out to L.A. I worked at a movie theater where they filmed, and that was Teeny Yothers from Family Ties was one of the people in it as a guest star. Then I didn't see anything until 
Buzzkill. Oh, yeah, on yeah. MTV, was... low key. Jackass, it's different, but there are elements, obviously, of prank. Tom Green, different, but elements of prank, but not so much hidden camera. And then, really, Spy TV was the next one. And then, I think, me. And popular culture, that's what I believe is the lineage. Well, first of all, I, I believe you're correct. And second of all, I like that you give props to Alan Font and Kid Candid Camera because there was... I remember after your show, I went and worked on Punked, and I was talking to somebody, uh, and they were like, another hidden camera show was coming out, and this person was like, oh, can you believe they're ripping us off? And I'm like, bro, first of all, there was already a popular hidden camera show before this one, and second of all, there was like three popular ones before that one. Like, no one's ripping anybody off here, guy. Like, no one's ripping off Punked. Like, that's not a thing. It doesn't. Wait, when did you work, work on Punked? Punk was the ripper offer. Yeah, ex exactly. What happened I didn't even was. Know you did that. Oh, sorry. Yeah, man. I. Uh... Zoom ending. <laughs> Bad connection. You got. Well, tell me through your lineage. Go ahead. Well, well, my, what happened was um, when Fransky and Celine went to Punked, they asked me to go with them. Wait, were you Fransky? Wait a minute. Fransky left after our first half season, correct? Well, he was right. He was gone, and then somebody else came in. I was there through all of season one and a little bit into season two, and then there was we did the movie. Yeah. And then, and then I, like, I came back for a little bit, and then I went after that. I can't remember. Exactly did you ever what come year. back again? No, I wasn't. I didn't. When you guys started traveling, I wasn't on the show. Oh. You missed some great times. Oh, dude, but I watched it because I knew all the crew and I was, and I, dude, honestly, I loved that show, man. That was a fun, not just a fun show to work on, which it was a fun show to work on. And to your credit, you were a really nice guy. Like, I remember Thank doing you. some shit. <laughs> I remember I handed you a business card once and you were like, you looked at it and then you were, you were getting mic'd up. We were about to shoot like host raps or something. And you're like, hey. Anybody else here have a business card? I'm a comedian. I've never had a fucking business card. And I was like, uh. And you were like, I mean, it's nice, but wow. <laughs> Wait, you had, did I say that in front of the whole? Yeah, but everyone who was standing audience? around. It was like, it wasn't, no, not the audience, not the audience, but just like the crew that was standing there. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, I was so green, dude. I was so green, man. My, my second day on set, we were at a golf course and Tim Gibbons, uh, executive producer, went on to do Curb, like very, very, very good at what he does. Very nice guy. Now I love that dude. He hands me a camcorder and he says, I need you to get some behind the scenes stuff. B he goes, I need to get some BTS stuff and I need a couple of two shots. <laughs> and I go, I'm holding the camcorder and I go, okay, yeah, uh, uh, what are, what's, a, uh, what's a two shot? And he looks at me and goes, what the fuck did you study in film school? And I go, oh, no, I didn't go to film school. And he goes, what the fuck are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm paying my rent. I don't know. I'm working. He's like, okay, a two-shot has two people in it. Guess how many a three-shot has? I'm like, uh, three? <laughs> so, but from that, I was like, okay, everyone gives everyone a little bit of shit, and we're okay. But Oh, come on. See, now let's, let's talk about the new culture versus the old culture. That's pretty fucking hilarious. And the guy went on, besides my show, Curb, 
So you're getting a note from high end there. That's oh man, <laughs> I was. If it I, was, if it was like a producer of like a B C movie, then maybe. But even then, it's kind of a funny comment. I mean, it is. Look, I I was green as shit. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was so eager to learn. And like being on your show is really. I did. A, I PA'd a couple things before that, but. They weren't, it wasn't comedy. It wasn't funny. Like the idea of your show, it was, yes, we're pranking people, but never to be like, ha ha, you're a fucking idiot. It was always like, you played the character that was completely insane. And, and actually, let's talk about the, like, you've talked about how you kind of saw Hidden Camera coming up. Who, you, Fax, Adam, like, who, how do you come up with this idea for the show? Um, dude, it's, it's, it's so cool watching it through your lens, you know, cause it's a different perspective than mine. Oh my God. Yeah. And it's basically like, you know, Brad Gray, who's one of the Titans of our business, God rest his souls. I had a show that I sold to his company with Craig Mazin, who just won the Emmy for Chernobyl. And it was going to be a sitcom kind of based loosely on my life. But instead of getting money through Hollywood, it was through tech. And, you know, Brad Gray's like, look, television is a 98% failure rate. And he took me through the steps from pitch, treatment, ordering of the script, demo, pilot, pilot reshoots, ordering six, ordering the back nine, hopefully second season, like it's like 25 steps to get to a hundred. And the goal is to get to a hundred. And if you win some awards along the way, God bless you. But the hundred is because a hundred episodes is for syndication. syndication. Yeah. That's where you make the money. And so it's like, that was the goal. And so I had sold this thing to him. Hold on. I got to close my door. Hold on. Just I'm in a podcast. So I'm in the middle of a thought. Sorry about that. Um, so you can edit right there. And so the I I like sold this idea with Craig and Brad came in and literally shook my hand. It's like I'm really excited. It was awesome, right? Yeah. Probably ninety. 99 and I just felt like you know so I tested for SNL I didn't get it I I auditioned for Mad TV in 95 before I started getting the name didn't get it Um, went for the Living Color reboot didn't get it tested for SNL didn't get it so in the movies there was Jamie Kennedy the actor but in my comedy side, it was Jamie Kennedy who had all these characters that he was working on. So I, long story short, my agents kept pushing me to do TV and it was a bizarre idea. And I'm like, I sold this treatment to Brad Gray's company. And then I just said, you know what? I'm not thinking this is what I want to do. I want to do something else. And people were really mad at me. And maybe it would have worked, but, you know, Brad said there's all those steps. And so then I didn't have it, and I kind of pissed some people off. 
But, but that, was, in your head, you could always keep doing movies, right? You weren't like, this is my only shot. You were like, I'll just keep. I just was like, <laughs> I want to do something that shows my abilities. Like, I, I thought I was from the family of Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy. You know, I got to work with Dana Carvey, you know, not too long ago. And he was like, oh, so you're like my little brother clone. And like, you know, that can make me cry. I mean, you know? dude, that's a phenomenal thing to hear. Holy shit. Uh, yeah. And it, it was like, he, he, I was like, you know, crying because that's who raised me. You know, Dana, Mike Myers, Eddie, you know, characters and impressions and, and creating your own. So that's what I wanted to do, you know. So I had that in my head. I still doing movies, but I wasn't getting the roles like I normally was. And I was like, you know, kind of the same thing, sidekick and stuff. So the show was pitched to the WB and it was in a long process, dude. It was development and then the deal ended. But the WB believed in me. So the, the, the lucky thing is here is that they believed in me and they knew they liked me. They just didn't know how to execute this with yeah. me. And I didn't either. So, you know, then we had Michael Davies, who's the executive producer of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. He was involved, and then he got busy. Um, the executive producer of Spy TV and Tom Green, a guy named Jeff Boggs, he was involved, and then he got busy. And then it was really Fats and Adam that came along at the end, had a phenomenal take. The WB is like, you know, this is it. It's like our third showrunner. Boom, I did my characters. Those guys laugh. Those guys did the jokes. You know, I'm like, how is Virginia Ham going to be? And he they'll go in his sandwich shop. Or how is this character? And they're like, he's a judge. So those guys, I had the raw material. They helped the shape. Together, we formed the jokes. My cars put the deal together. Boom. And it was a tester. So we only got ordered four episodes, dude. Oh wow! And it was and it was a and it was in the other part of the WB. It wasn't like the main development. It was like the alternative comedy. That was a big thing back in the late nineties. Like this is the alternative comedy type of. Yeah, meaning so this we, will make you laugh, but we don't know what to call it. Yes, exactly. And it was like the writers' strike helped because they were like, "Well, this is like not so much writers' strike stuff. We can like, you know, it's, we can call this reality TV." And so. That's how it started, but there was a lot of starts and stops, but those guys were the final, and we just got into a room together, and, you know, they were like, look, when we met you, we thought you were, like, half asleep, and you're like, eh, man, it's funny, and it's like, yeah. people think <laughs> I'm, like, come across as a little bit aloof. But I'm, really, I'm a really warm guy. It's just that, like, I'm, I'm, I'm who I am, you know I mean? I'm yeah. not like, hi, how are you? Nice to see you. Like, I be who I am. And Daryl, like, yo, you're half asleep. I'm like, well, because I was up all night. So I'm like a nocturnal person. But they never, they never looked, they looked at this raw blob and said, there's something here. And that's how it started. And, the, the, you know, Jordan, the president of the WB, was like, I like the guy. I don't know. We got to mold this guy. And that's, but it was against all odds. There was a lot of funny things that happened. And, that's you know, crazy, man. I, I, I honestly didn't realize how you know, how many showrunners had been involved, how many people would come in and out. Like, what what was your, I mean, before that, you hadn't sold any TV. You hadn't really done too much TV. Is that right? You'd done just films? I had, well, no, I had deals. So I, 
you know, my first deal, you got a holding deal in 95 and that's just to hold you. And they would literally hold talent for six months or less. And pay you unless they to would, not work yeah, on anything else. Pay you not to do anything. So I did that and then that went away. Then I got a pilot. When you get a pilot, you're a prisoner until the pilot goes or not. So I would be getting a pilot every year, every other year, and then that would go away. Um, and then I had a holding deal for a lot of money, and then that went away. So it's totally different now where you got to be everywhere. And um, my agents, you know, like to me, I wouldn't do a lot of big movies, but they're like, look, make your name in comedy and then come out and make your own comedy movies. And that was the goal. And that's, you know, what I started to do. But to do that was a, a bit of a process. But I was, you know, getting to meet everybody in TV, the best of the best. Yeah, man. I mean, you really just the bread great thing alone is like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> you shook hands with that guy. Um, what? Uh, so first season, what was your after you shoot the first season? We we didn't shoot the whole first season and then it aired, did we? We were airing. Well, you have really? to understand. So we were ready to go. We did the test tape. It was like a demo. It was for New York. It was like a inner it was the great thing is that jordan that will use me in little baby pieces so we did a tester tape of a prank for the upfronts for the people that are listening and basically you go to new york and you sell your show and get all this money and the network has it so we were like a little joke in at the upfront and it killed so hard that jordan's like yeah this is gonna this has got to be a this show is the you show know? yeah and so we went back, and I'll never forget. And he says, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you. I think he says I'm gonna give you. I think he said I'm gonna give you nine episodes. So it's like you get you get thirteen, and then you get nine. But we didn't get that because we got we got nine, and then." eight or or and then we got nine and nine and then at the end he's like i'm gonna give you another four <laughs> because it was piecemealed out so we still don't yeah. get a whole season but it was so he's like can you do nine and he's like i got x amount of money and i remember like it was on a napkin the way hollywood should be we're in his office the big boardroom like the five of us and he's like can you do nine for like you know, eight million in change, and we we're like, and I'm like, yes, <laughs> but you know, I'm green, and so these guys Every, everybody else is like, we have to think about the budget. Well, well, they're like, let's get back to you, and I'm like, but then that you know, so they're you know going back and carving fees and everything, and that's when we got Tim involved, and obviously he's brilliant at that, and so we really had the best of the best, and then. But it was different times, dude. We didn't have all these people fucking overthinking shit. It was like guys yeah. who were like, I like you. I got the money. It's the way it should be, right? And so I remember we did our – then we were ready to go. You know, 9-11 happened. The world stopped. And we were all like, who wants to be funny? You know, none of us wanted to do anything. No one did. And then, you know, Letterman did that amazing monologue and then kind of started it back. And then Jordan again is like, look, people want to laugh, man. You know, we, we, we let's do this again. So then we, we, we were pushed and then we came back again. That's, and I'll never that's, oh, go ahead. And then the, line, the final thing is that we did our first bit 
somewhere deep in the valley, like North Hollywood. And I'll never forget it. Like I was, I was, I was flown first class and like to go to London for a premiere or something. And I was like eating cheese and stuff. And like as an actor, all you do is just go, they show you where to go and you here's the press and this Perrier and there's like beautiful blue cheese and you stay at the Four Seasons and it's like you're part of a machine. But I started early with great movies, right? And I remember hiding in a broom closet with my nose and Stacey was hiding behind the putting stuff on my nose. And I'm like, I'm going out in a fake nose in the valley behind boxes to pull a prank on this lady. And I just got off first class jet, British Airways. I go, what the fuck did I just do to my career? And I'll never forget that. And then I, the response in the video, and I knew, like, I, I didn't know what was happening. When I saw the first cut, I was laughing so hard and these guys were laughing so hard. And I thought, we're going to go deeper and grittier to become bigger. And that's what happened. You know, I became the actor, Jamie Kennedy, which people kind of knew the guy from to the entity of Jamie Kennedy. But, you know, I had to lose all preconcepts of what it was. And it's even TV shows weren't doing this because they go on a set and it's all safe. And it's this, it's like, we're in the wild with yeah. real people, things could go wrong and we couldn't fuck up because if not, we would lose money. Yeah. And, and, and though, while you did it with like, you know, uh, you know, scheduled marks, there really was a feeling of like, we got to get this. We have, it has to get done. Like if this guy isn't the guy that we're going to prank, then the next guy coming in has to be the guy or we can combine them maybe. But there was always like the pressure of getting it. And as I was just a production assistant, so I didn't feel any pressure. It was like, Hey, are the walkies charged? I'm like, yeah, man, walkies are charged. I won't be under this table for a little while, you know, and then shit would just happen. But in hindsight, watching the show and, and, and just remembering it, it was very, uh, it was intense, man. That was what you shoot other things. And it was intense in the sense that we have to get it. And we put multiple takes and we can, everyone back away and you're in the shot. And, you know, but with that hidden camera was like, we're going, don't go out there. You can't be out there in a walkie. You can't be walking around, picking up garbage in front, on, on camera. Like there was just this, like you said, we were in the wild, real people. And it felt like we were a little like military unit, like ee, we just roll in somewhere and and then hide and then prank. You know, it was like very exciting. It was very exciting times. 9-11 is how like I was scheduled to be a, I was supposed to be a travel coordinator on a show that was supposed to go to Scotland. And I didn't want to do it. I'm like, I don't to coordinate travel for people. And then 9-11 happened. They shut down all the flights. They canceled that show for sure, along with a ton of other shit. And it was, I didn't know if I'd made a huge mistake. I was like, now I'm in LA. I've only been here a couple of years and now there's nothing. I'm, I might be leaving soon. And then Ryan Brown, a friend of mine, um, knew one of the people who was casting um, Marks and Accomplices. And then she, he said, hey, I think I got us a job as PAs. And then I went in and was hired. And they, they for sure thought I was an idiot for the first like two weeks. But then everyone kind of warmed up to me. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was, but uh, but in their defense, I was a moron, and and also like 
always showing up hungover and just like you know, I was I in my twenties. Remember that you were a big guy and you lumbered a little bit early, but I just thought, oh, he's like me. He's just a nighttime person. But you yeah, might have had a couple of Jagermeisters tonight. Well, I, I was definitely hungover for a lot of that, you know, because that's just what I. Uh, that's how I spent my spare time back then. But. Um, what so you so you guys responded well and that let you know you had something you're watching a cut and you're going that's funny it's making i've always said this if it makes you laugh and it makes your friends laugh there's something there it's funny there's funny there what was i and it, I, were you at all i mean i'm sure you were. were what were like what were you feeling when it was about to premiere like were you worried that like, here we go. We shot this thing. We've done these things. We've taken all the proper steps. We've got something that we think is fucking hilarious. What if nobody likes it? Was there any of that? Or were you like, this is going to go? No. I knew I put my best foot forward. And I was in control of what I thought was funny. And even though on stage, sometimes I would get good laughs Maybe I killed a couple times that in my career, or I'd get laughs on movies. I knew that this came from my cerebral cortex. And then it was worked with with other people that added their own cerebral cortex, who I eventually started to trust because I literally in the beginning was like, this is the idea we got to do. This is it. And they would write it a totally different scenario or something else. And I'm like, I didn't come up with that. And they're like, just try it. And I'm like, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And then like Fax and Adam were like, just trust. And once I did one of their bits and trusted, then I'm like, ooh, this is a power unit, you know? And Brian Hart, you know, just a power unit of creativity and writing. And I was like, okay. So now when I would see, you know, Adam would really laugh, you know? And he's, you know, one of the funniest people I ever meet, you know? So when he would laugh, I'm like, that's not easy to do. So if he's laughing and I'm like, this is really funny. And then I would play for my friend, John, who, you know, yeah. he would laugh. So I knew I, at least anything, I had a great tape. I'm going to have six episodes of something great. If it doesn't work, it's going to show people how fucking funny I am. It will definitely showcase to, talent. Yeah. Yeah. I'd go back to SNL and try to audition or, you know, just give it to casting directors. So I was sitting pretty, you know, yeah. and I was like, hopefully it works, but you know, I remember there's a moment like when I was with my agents and who are huge agents now and who really believed in me. But I remember doing the fake talk show and I was a totally different character. And I'm like, I'm like, my agent's like, this is crazy. I'm like, no, dude. I was like in makeup. I'm like, this is insane. Do you realize? that we are making a whole audience believe that this is real. This is fucking <clears throat> revolutionary. And he's like, it's good. And that's when I knew I had a problem. Cause I'm like, no dude, it's, it's better than good. Fucking insane. <laughs> like, do you understand where you're at right now? And he's like, it's good. And that's, that's a problem. You know, that can hurt me later in my career, obviously, because it's like, they didn't understand. And it's like Newsweek did an article of the, the most innovative comedies and, you know, I know time did, and it was Larry David, Bonnie Hunt, and Jamie Kennedy. And so I was like, I knew I was on to it. So, but, you know, you have to get people. And our group drank the Kool-Aid. 
the public drank the Kool-Aid. The network drank the Kool-Aid. Hollywood kind of drank the Kool-Aid, but didn't know. They were still. drinking it. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. What uh, do you have like a, I mean, what was the show? Four seasons? Five? Three. Three? Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you have, because I have, I, there's one particular sketch prank that, 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 it's just I could not stop fucking laughing. I still laugh when I talk about it and I tell people about it. I laugh the whole time I'm talking about it because it was so insane to me that people were along for the ride. But do do you have like a of all the things you did of all the characters you created? Do you have one that's like more special to you or that you love more? Or are they all? Do you all consider them like these are all creations of mine? This is all worth. You know, or are there some that you're like, this is the guy that I should have been doing more sketches of or more pranks with or. Um, I mean, they're all babies to me. Um, I think, you know, obviously B-Rad holds a special place in my heart. Judges hold special places in my heart. Um, you know, the fucking. The Vegas wedding holds a place in my Oh heart. my god, dude. That was the first you it, made that was the, the whole episode became that wedding. Yes. It became what we always wanted to do. We wanted to do epic hidden camera, you know, it had it layers was, to it. Dude, man, there was so um, many layers to that. Spring break is a big one. So I mean there's a lot of <laughs> Oh, I almost yeah. forgot about Panama City Beach. Panama City is incredible. Dude. You know, we had some times and dude. I know. Isn't it great that we did it? I mean do dude, that today. I, Enjoy that, um, <laughs> you know. Two two things. Uh, Panama City was out of control. I mean, it was so fun and so crazy. Great for that was your the drinking first time... habit. Oh, dude, it yeah. what? It what? It was great for it was great for your drinking. Yes, habit. it was. It was definitely great. It was the first time in my twenties that I realized <laughs> that um, people in their forties don't want to drink with you. <laughs> it's like I'm like, yeah, hey, let's go out. And everyone's like, fuck off. I'm going to bed. I'm like, okay. Um, but when we did Blaine Kapatch and you did, we, as PAs, me and Matt Wood were assigned to walk around this bar, outdoor bar party area on spring break and start spreading the rumor that Creed was going to play a concert. So we're walking around, leaning on bars going, Hey, Creed's going to be here later. Really? And like talking about the band Creed and people like, what? I go, yeah, they're playing like a free show. So me and Matt are kind of doing that. Other people are walking around, spreading it, and it starts to grow. People are literally, I'm like, dude, I just heard other people talking about this shit. So it's working, right? And then I had I up- had no idea that you, that's like acting. You had to act. Dude, look, the, the first time I was ever on camera was your show. I, my face is blurred and I'm banging on pipes for the yoga bit, but that was the first yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so we are kind of acting and, and, and playing it off and whatever. And... And then I had picked up Blaine Kapatch at the airport before that, and I had never met him, and I, I don't, I did not know. I was literally in a car with like that dude is a genius. Blaine Kapatch is a funny motherfucker, and mm-hmm. he was just super nice to me. And we get there, and the the whole thing, the premise was like, we're gonna, if anyone hasn't seen it, it was we're gonna make people believe the band Creed is gonna be here. So a bunch of drunk, rowdy college kids are all excited to see a free Creed show. And then the curtain drops, and it's you dressed as an old hippie. Hi, I'm Chris Creed, and I don't think anybody should do drugs or drink or whatever. And you're mm-hmm. like anti-drug, and everyone's like, fucking boo! 
<laughs> went crazy immediately. And a couple people, because then they put me and Matt in security hats and security shirts. And then we were in front of the stage and a couple were like, hey, that's the dickhead that said Creed was going to be. And I was like, I got to get out of here. Like, I want to leave. It was insane, dude. It was insane. They, people were so mad and it was so fucking funny. I was dying, dude. See, that that's why, and I got to hear the bit that you always laugh at, but that there are so many gems that are different mm. within it that it was really its own MCU. You know what I mean? There was a yes. lot of different in that universe. And the fact everybody did things like that were creative, whether you were accounting or a PA, you had to be in on it because a prank is a living, breathing organism. And you were, you know, getting your early acting on, which I didn't probably know that you were trying to do comedy back then. I was too busy with prank noses and all this shit. And but I, it I, just, I wouldn't expect and, you and, to, yeah. And Matt would, and he always kept a straight face. And it's like to be, but you, I always remember that you were always game. You know what I mean? And, and Matt was game too, but he was more of a poker face and you to, to do that. Like, that's not like a lot of shows. Like some people collect paychecks. Like if you were on my show and you were going to Panama city, you were all in and you, you were part, part, you were of, part it. of it. You were and part of it. Was, if this was a prank with smugglers and we we're meeting, you know, supposed MS 13 to be part of a prank, that they didn't know they were in, you're in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. And it's like life or death. And that's what's really fucking cool. And that, I, that, that's what I'm glad you said because people really were very angry that day. And that is multiple times people were very angry. They wanted to beat the shit out of me. I was always able to walk that line, never got punched once. And I was, I don't know, maybe God looked over me or something, but it was fucking fascinating. So that's so cool because I didn't, I forgot that you started that fake rumor oh dude it was and, and they'd put up signs around but they wanted to really drive it home with if people in the bar start talking about it it won't just be a sign it'll be real you know and i i was completely in agreement i was like yeah because i know that if i heard that i would assume these two idiots over here are talking about a band come like let's listen you know what i mean it's like um there was, wait, there was what was the prank that makes you laugh you said the insta cooker Oh yeah, it was a fake. It was a. It was an infomercial. Yeah, and we bust in. They bust in like, because that's what they'll do for an audience. They'll you know they'll pay people like it's a it's a you know ten dollars or whatever for the day. You get to watch a live thing. It's like what they would do for any uh, talk show and that kind of thing. So these people were bust in, uh, for I don't know where out of out of the general area of Los Angeles. So they so they weren't super knowledgeable about filmmaking and that kind of thing you know you, they always kind of like to not have people in the industry within a prank because they might sniff it out a little bit but so you played this pitch guy like not a billy mays but yes that's sort of like the slap nut chopper guy but you had a curly little weird curly wig on and then we had a stunt guy who was like going to demonstrate the insta cooker but the first couple things you say are like this is the Instacooker. How long does it take you guys to cook a frozen turkey? And people are like, oh, fucking long time. And you're like, well, what if I told you this thing did it in three hours? And people are like, whoa. And you're like, what if I told you did it in 30 minutes? And people are like, what? And you go, this will cook a turkey in three seconds. And people are like, what? And people start to kind of perk up. And then the stuntman comes out to do a demonstration. It blows up in his face. He's like, my eyes. He runs off. And then you... They keep your mic on and you have an argument with this guy on the side of the stage so everyone in the studio can hear the argument on purpose. And it's like, I need you to get fucking back out there and sell this fucking Instacooker. Let's go. He's like, my eyes. Like, I don't give a shit about your eye. And you played a huge dickhead. 
then you come out and you're like, okay, we're just going to move on to the testimonials. <laughs> and you're like, who wants to come down here and say how good the Insta Cooker is? No hands, right? You pull a 20 out of your pocket. You're like, for 20 bucks, who wants to come down? All the hands shoot up. Boom, boom. <laughs> and then the lady comes down and she's like, Insta Cooker. It's, and you're like, ma'am, the Insta Cooker didn't kill anybody. You're going to need to, <laughs> like, there's so much shit. The fact that an audience believed you could cook a frozen turkey in what looked like a generic microwave for 30 seconds or three seconds was. It, it makes me laugh every time, dude. The Insta Cooker is so. Every time someone's like, "We got to cook this turkey," I'm like, "You should get an Insta Cooker." And then I have to explain it because no one knows what the fuck I'm talking about. But <laughs> that one really made me laugh. It still makes me laugh. I just the the premise, the idea, the way it was pulled off. It was it was really a good prank, and it was not just a prank on one individual. It was a whole audience. You know what I mean? It yeah. was like because most of the time we did it, it was like this is the mark. That's the guy who doesn't know what's going on. That's the woman who doesn't know where where we all know she doesn't. But it was like as a PA, I'm standing there like there's like 50 people in here that have no fucking idea this is not an in infomercial. And I really enjoyed that, like sort of being in on it beyond what other people knew. I It, it made it really entertaining. And don't get me wrong. I, I loved a lot of the sketches uh, and I should call them oh, pranks. No, I guess, did, but, everyone hits it different, you know? Yeah. But I remember when you started doing the uh, mouth guy with the wine tasting, you're spilling wine all over the place. I, I remember seeing that, like that the beat sheet for that and thinking it was really funny and i went home and i wrote a treatment for a movie with that guy as a main character and i and i sat next to you i was doing like i was standing in for what we were blocking before the prank started and i was like hey uh i wrote a treatment for this character if you want to read it and you were like what and i go yeah i wrote a treatment and you're like oh man that's fucking awesome but yeah i I can't, I'm, I can't read it right now. I got, I got another character in the works and I was like, oh, okay. And then I remember you being like, that's a solid initiative, but I can't do anything with that. And then the character was obviously, it was Malibu's most wanted was the movie you were working on at the time. I, Which, you know what? I love that by the way, but you did present me ideas in the middle of like someone putting a fake nose. Oh on dude, me. no, like, oh, it was, I, look, <laughs> knowing what I know now, I would never have done that. You know, I love that you did that, though. I think there was a lot of characters that could have movies. Still yeah, can. well, that was the thing. When you said they're all your babies, like I, I, MCU, like I could see, you know, Virginia Ham marries the Instacooker guy, and then B-Rad has to move in. And, like, you know, you're basically doing a clumps, but it's like you're all these characters that are so fucking bizarre. Um, and then when Malibu's Most Wanted rolled up and they were, like, going to make that movie... They were going to lay off people on the show, not lay us off, but like the show was going to go on hiatus and then they were going to use a film crew to make the movie. And I was talking to you and you're getting, I, again, I bothered you while you're getting makeup done. And I was like, Hey, uh, and you said something about when the show came back and I go, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to come back. I have to get a job now. You know, I need to work now. And you were like, well, can't you just be on the movie? And I was like, uh, I don't think they're bringing anybody to the movie from the show. And you're like, Oh, well, let me see if I can just get you on the movie. And literally, I got a call the next day, like, "Hey, well, you want to be a PA on the movie?" And I was like, "Yep." And I, that was the that was the first movie I worked on. Terry Crews, uh, Big Boy, Isaac Hayes, um, uh, just a couple other people. And I was like, "God!" And just I was in charge of walkies. That was my thing. I was like a charging walkies. And then every once in a while, you'd come up and be like, "Hey, man." can you find me a bathroom to take a shit in? <laughs> I would get you a car and get you back to your trailer. <laughs> I was like, there's a bathroom right here. And you're like, I don't want to use the same bathroom everybody else is using. <laughs> I was like, fair enough. You blew up my spot. You blew up my spot right now. 
Wow, I do remember that, bro, because we were shooting in crazy places, and I need my own space. Well, I'm dude, I'm with fizz. you, dude. I don't shit in public. I, you know, I was completely on board with helping you find I remember that. Down. You found me some beautiful toilets. <laughs> People just... don't realize that's a huge thing, and that's how you can get close to, like, a star of a movie. <laughs> that's a, we already <laughs> knew each other. But seriously, I remember that, because there was... Yeah, I drank a lot of coffee that movie. That was the thing. And, Everyone, you know what I mean? And and when and I not so much from you, but like crew guys, we're all eating the craft service and we're fucking stuffing donuts in our faces and we're having chili for a snack and it's like those yeah. bathrooms were, you know. Yeah. They were rough. They were rough, you know. Yeah. But that that's always made me laugh too, man. Um <laughs> I'm trying to think what what uh you went to a, like you traveled a lot with that show. Did you did you kind of do that because getting out of LA made the most sense. People didn't really know what was going on. If you went to like Florida or, you know, even Vegas. Um, the Well, I mean, I could do it again now because enough time has passed, I think, but the structure of my face, you can only put so much stuff on it, you know? Yeah. Or it's not going to be believable. I have to start playing like a Klingon or something and people are starting to recognize me. And plus LA is like, you know, everybody, you think it's a fake, a real person and somebody trying to be an actor. And so getting a city and them not knowing was really cool. And it kind of made the show bigger than the network size. And so we loved it. We did, we just did two months on the road, just two weeks, each city. And it was just like, boom, pre-production. We get there, bam, we execute, boom, as we're executing pre-production, starting in the next city, those guys are wrapping up that city. It was a beautiful living thing that just, and we just went from city to city. As it got colder, we went to each city warmer. So we started in LA and then went to New Chi uh, Town, uh, New York, Philly, Miami. And it was like, perfect following the sun you know and it was yeah. so much fun it was yeah and that's what the, the, the show was the show was you know one of the sad things is like when that ended it i you know i lost a family you know i mean there's most people talk to me there's people that got married off of that show people have friends to this day you know we you know i, I don't talk to enough people from the show but like the hand I'll talk to him sometimes. Dude. You know, I'll talk to Mike Cars, you know, probably the most out of anybody. But, like, I loved a lot. You know, mostly everybody on – I didn't know why. I liked everybody on the show. Like, I wouldn't work with them if I didn't dig their vibe. Yeah. And, and we always had good vibes. And, uh, you know, but, but you know, I didn't know everybody. Like, I know some people, but some people, like, became some of my bestest friends in the world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really, there, there is like, it is kind of like family-ish, you know? Because even if there's people you don't get along with, it's like, you're family. You don't might not get along with everybody, but you're still working together and you're still working towards the same thing. But that show really did feel like, like I still, every once in a while, I still talk to Matt Wood. I still talk to Ron, the transpo guy, every once in a while, you know? And the, the, <laughs> the hen, dude, that that dude was so funny, man. It's so funny. But from there, I, I met Oscar Albuerne. I met, you know, all these people that sort of, and especially in the world of hidden camera, you can trace almost everyone sort of back to that, you know, that little circle. And it just kind of grew from there. And And look, I can't say for sure, but you know, without the Jamie Kennedy experiment, is there a scare tactics? You know, do people see the, uh, 
kind of potential a hidden camera show has. You know what I mean? You kind of laid the groundwork for moving forward. I know. But, bro, it's like, it's kind of like my MO, though, because it's like, it's just such a deep hole. I'm trying to figure out how to explain it simply, but it's like, it's kind of like the basis of my career in the sense where I really do believe I'm premature and, and I've been this way in a lot of ways in my career, but like, it, it's funny because punk kids getting remade, you know, scare tactics is now being remade. I do believe I helped birth a lot of those shows and those shows will tell you that at least that that works will. Yeah. But the oh, Jamie yeah. Kennedy experiment it's kind of like a gem that sits in its own world. You know what I mean? And it's like, I have to wonder why that is, you know? And it's well, like, here, people get like that. I, here's I what think, I think. I, I do believe I inspired definitely some stuff. For sure. And here's what I think, because what sets, and this is why I'm kind of bewildered as to why your show wouldn't get picked up or remade, whatever, because you're still around. And the, key to the jamie kennedy experiment was jamie kennedy you know what i yes. mean like like uh, even punked is the main guy in another room talking to actors like and yes, yes people were in your ear but it, for you it was more of like if adam wanted to pitch a joke yeah or hey man you're blocking camera move to the left you know what i mean that kind of thing and then you sort of took it and you were every character you were the show like punked has been done without ashton for years at this point you know uh scare tactics can be done without any kind of they could change the host because all they do is host wraps you know but you put in the work, you know, showing up and going, hey, uh, I created a prank show and hey, you do that and you do that and you do that and I'm going home is one thing and then showing up and going, now I'm going to put on five hours of makeup, I'm going to be a totally different person, I'm going to walk around, I'm going to try to fool all these people and I'm going to be involved in the creative process every step of the way. That doesn't happen anymore. So that's what I think puts you in this sort of cocoon of like your own thing and then it did, it spawned people realizing one, hidden camera is lucrative, and two, if they can do it without having that you, without that guy they have to pay that's going to do all the makeup and do that, and they can hire actors to come in and different actors every time, and they can pay them the U5 or whatever their shitty rates are, it just becomes a cheaper show to make. You know what I mean? Because you had Ed uh, French. Remember Ed French? That dude has gone on to win Oscars for his makeup work. Which movie? Uh, I can't remember. Maybe maybe I'm thinking of Emmy. But he's one... Because I used him on another... I worked on a, a hidden camera show called Code 9 for the Disney Channel like in 2012. And I brought in Ed. And at that point, he'd already... He'd won some major awards. Um, not Christmas Story major awards. Not leg lamps. But like legit like statues. So I can't remember if it was an Emmy or an Oscar. But he was... Uh, I mean, he made children look like old people for us. So he's good, you know, and he put like every time he worked on you, it would be I would we kind of wait for you to come out of the trailer. You know, it's like, oh, what's he, what's the care? Oh, he's doing this. Oh, well, let's see what this fucking looks like. And you come out of the trailer and it would just be comedy. Yeah, he was he was an artist. And, and what's interesting is we had so many different personalities that were the fact that they could coexist. Yeah. And. I remember that was one of the reasons I got a trailer because when we started doing the show, we were figuring out how to just put it on the screen. I didn't even have a trailer for a little while and I didn't think anything of it because I was like, well, this is TV, it's hidden camera, it's its own entity, right? And then Ed, he's like, I need my space. You, uh, yeah. The makeup trailer so he could come in my trailer. 
And sometimes they would be like, we got to go. And he'd be like, I'm not done. And it was like, my face was like this portrait. And everybody, you know, there was sound artists on that show. There were camera artists. There were prop artists. The hand is a prop artist, you know, and there's writer artists. So there was a lot. And the fact that we coexisted and were able to do it was pretty amazing because everyone was a unique personality. But um, I remember Ed, uh, yeah, he, he was just always coming to touch my fucking face. And I'm like talking to somebody with me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really had to exercise a, um, a lot of patience on the show. And sometimes it was hard because it was poking and talking and, Oh, man. Yeah, that's another thing people don't realize is that you're not just like out there by yourself. There's like a person in your ear and there's people behind them and there's it's a fucking constant. You have to not only stay in character, uh, remember the beats, take the prank where it's supposed to go. You also have to like appease all these people in your ear. You know what I mean? Like literally they're in there. Here's what we're going to say is that, uh, you know, you, you, you made me spurn this thought in my head and you're talking about these different shows and stuff. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I feel that I can't walk down the street. When people comment comment me on that show or compliment me, it's very beautiful. Like they go deep into their love for the show. And I feel like the show is going to be like this NFT. You know what I mean? Like, you know what that is? It's yeah, like, the non-fungible tokens. It, yeah, it will be valuable the longer time goes on because I think that we really worked very hard and I put my whole soul into it. And I feel like the town never really totally understand it to the point where people who get it go absolutely bananas for it. Like they audience love it. members. They love bananas. it. Bananas. And then people who don't, they'll just be like, oh, I remember you had that kooky little show which is you know very um you could say disrespectful because it was a lot of work and it wasn't a kooky little show and there was so many things involved and that's the thing is when i did the show dude i was like oh the town will look at me and they'll realize what a great actor i am but unfortunately the town looked at me and they go oh he's a really funny clown now there are people that realize that that i got that But most people, and that's the bigger question with comedy, right? Like comedy, because it makes a good, when you're good at it, or people are making you laugh, it feels effortless. And that's the one thing with the show, I think that, but as time is progressing, people are more and more just discovering it in these new ways, which is great. But that's the main thing I have with comedy is that doesn't, people don't realize the amount of stuff that goes into it to make you laugh. Yeah, I mean, kooky little show, that's definitely disrespectful because <laughs> just even if it was just you and the makeup artist, that's still yeah. like five, six yeah. hours a day, you know, and then yeah. adding in the fact that we were all sort of, you know, learning hidden camera as Dude, we went. and Bro, I'm going to tell you this. I will not name the names. One day I will. But there's... Friendships, not mine, have been lost because of people commenting on the show. Not me, but I'm just going to tell you, there is a, how do I say this? There was a very big player in Hollywood 
that said something about the show to another very big player involved in the show. And the person involved in the show was like, do you understand what goes into making the show? Do you understand that at the end of the week, a normal sitcom or a normal drama wraps and you have something in the can? Do you realize that I'm sending my lead actor out into the wild and at the end of the week, I may have nothing? Nothing, yeah. But okay, it's just a fun little show. Okay, that was really beautiful when I saw this person do that because it's true. Like we really, every week we were fucking, um, we were, uh, you know, uh, draft kings. We didn't know. You yeah. know, it you're up bad. against it, and there was, yeah, there was literally no guarantee because you're. That's the other thing is like I've seen uh, hidden camera shows that are complete bullshit. That the mark knows exactly what's going on, and I'll say that like, ew, put that out there. That's we never faked anything. The only thing we ever did was after the whole prank was done, we made through a couple pickup shots of me going. Oh yeah, something, but a little bit. But everything, ninety-eight percent of it was in the moment. We never faked nothing. No, that's what I was going to say, and I think that speaks, you know, very highly because people couldn't do what you did down the road. After a while, it got so watered down that they're like, "Well, we need people to react to this stupid thing that could never possibly happen." So just tell them what's going on, and it's like, "Ugh, God, dude, why don't you put the cameras out of hides?" We, see, the thing is, if you if you generally warm people up and you give them a little foreplay, they're going to be on the hook. But and they're not using the talent of enough people. As, yeah, maybe. It, maybe. It, it, it just wasn't – it wasn't – the show I'm talking about, I'm not going to name it because it, it's nothing. <laughs> I don't, it's not even on my fucking resume. It's just like it took six months of my life and I was like, yeah, whatever. But um, it, oh, there was, it was just it was just Wait, horseshit. Wait, you name it for me now and then just cut it out? Yeah, I guess we could do that. Yeah, uh, or or Indy could bleep it so that everyone will get real excited about it. It was called uh, it was called Freak Out. It was on ABC. Never heard of, Fa- that. of course you haven't. It was garbage. It was on ABC Family, and then it was on uh, Freeform when they became Freeform. But it well, was that network's nowhere even around anymore. So. Exactly, dude. Because they didn't know what they were doing. They were like, "We want a really grotesque, scary hidden camera show." So we delivered a hidden camera prank that was scary and grotesque. And they're like, "What the fuck is this? We can't put this on TV. This is scary and grotesque." And we're like, "What?" So it was like they wanted to toe this line that they weren't even sure where it was, and they and the, the exact. It was just very bad, dude. It was very bad. And by the end, we were telling the marks like, "Hey, just come in, and this is going to happen, and guys going to fly away, and you're going to be like, oh, okay." And then. It was terrible, dude. It was terrible. Uh, but we, we will edit that the title out because I just, I'm not, people put a lot of their, their effort into it. It's just was for nothing. <laughs> I never you know. heard of it. <laughs> yeah. But that's a lot of TV. You know, you, you, you bust your ass for something that people are like, well, I never, that was a show? I never heard of it. And you're like, nah, yeah. great. It almost killed me just for, with the stress, but glad you never heard yeah. of it. <laughs> um, but you did, you laid groundwork, man. And you made, you made, uh, you made it fun. I mean, you made, like I said, man, television production before that, I had gone to Costa Rica for Temptation Island. That was definitely fun, but um, uh, it was just different. And when I would work in L.A., it was—it just never felt like that. The Jamie Kennedy experiment was fun. It, was, it felt fun every day. was different. And like you said, it was sort of family. Like we started – we played softball, dude. We had a softball team. Did I play on that? Did I ever play? No, you I didn't. I never played. You didn't. Why no. not? I don't even know if we asked you. 
Why would think, you not ask me? I, because I don't know. I didn't start the team. It was like somebody else started it and made these jerseys, and I was like, yeah, I'll play softball. And I then, was always busy. Well, that's the other thing is we're playing on Sundays, and, like, you're working. I, you're like, if, I if you're not. One, I, yeah, like, I got to sleep. Wait, let me ask you this. Yeah. Could we even do the show today? Like, think well, about this. Well, think about that. Let's answer that. And like going to a city in Panama City and you and I will just zip that. But the amount of fun we had making this show, the stuff we did in this show, we have to wonder, can we do today? But then just after hours, we had a great time. I mean, hello. Yeah. Where are we at with that in 2021? Well, I think crew-wise that that it is possible to still have a good time with people that you're working with. You know what I mean? I just I don't think there was anything that was done on that show like behind the scenes. Like I never saw any, you know, there was nobody anybody being like abusive or like a power-hungry no. monster. There was none of no, that. It was we like, were like a John Hughes movie. Yes, like, it was more every, com- every everything time, was more comical. It was like I forgot the walkies. Like, but every time like the party in a John Hughes movie, like the after effect, like the next day, <laughs> that was us. Like sixteen candles, like the, like all the furniture on the lawn. Like we had we partied our faces off. But yeah. we all had a good time and we worked our faces off. I'm just wondering in twenty twenty one, you know, it's so it's interesting. Yeah. yeah but yeah. like I do think there was a couple of guys. You know, I'm not saying on our crew, the funny thing is, and this wasn't even the 80s, but there was a couple of people that I remember that were like, some people like coffee, like I drank coffee, and other people had other things to keep them up. And I think there was a couple of people that liked to go to the slopes, and you never, you know, you never heard, you no know, one ever said anything. I mean, but I'm saying it's 2021. Can people go skiing? You know oh, what I'm saying? You know what? Not the <laughs> not the same way they were doing it back then because yeah. I yeah I, I'm very aware I'm very Some aware of this. Some people were had like whole mountain passes, right? Like yes, were... yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, <laughs> it was long, long hours, dude. Long hours. But <laughs> even <I'm> <laughs> yeah, there there there's a different. DMZ. Yeah, that's the other thing, dude. This is before people like you got followed around everywhere. Like if me and you went somewhere, I wasn't like thinking a camera was going to catch me and you doing something. It would be like, let's just go over here. It's like, not PA, takes Jamie Kennedy to poop. It's like, you know, yeah. I, I didn't, that, that didn't exist. And it it is a very weird dynamic now because it's like celebrities sort of need the paparazzi and the paparazzis need the celebrity. And they... Here's the beautiful thing. And we had a beautiful set, you know, and I think that, you know, me and the team that was kind of in charge had a lot to do with it. You know, we all were. It trickles down, dude. People. It trickles and, down. And, you know, but I was only one part of that. And, and the thing is, I'll say is this, is that everybody had our back. We, we really did. And, and that's the good thing. It's like, I feel like right now, like everybody's looking for somebody to fuck up. And if we did fuck up, we addressed it within our little family. Yeah. And, you know, we fucking addressed it and we fixed it, but we really did have a, a a nice unit where now i just feel like people are like i'm waiting for that person to fuck up so i can go and sell a story and it's like totally yeah different world man yeah it's weird like you felt like you could trust the people you were working with even even down to the level that i was on you know what i mean even the pas you didn't have you yeah. weren't like well that guy's out there. but now it's more of a over your shoulder like who who's around like what's going on who's looking at what why are you looking and that's at this? sad like, well it's sad, sad because because just because like guys like you like i know that you're not a bad guy and i know you're not mean you're not mean-spirited you're not a racist you're not a fucking you know what i mean so it's like 
for someone to look to like that mentality of like, uh, let's see what this guy does next to fuck up. I'm going to take him down. Like, that's a weird, that's a weird place to be personally. To me, that person is miserable. You know what I mean? If you're happy, you're living your life. You're not so Mm -hmm. worried about what other people are doing. And if someone is doing something that's not hurting anyone else, that's not stopping anyone else from being who they are, that's not oppressing their other other groups of people, then that person should be left alone. You know what I mean? And that tends to be not how we act now. You know what I mean? That's it's more of a like, well, you did that and that that offended me. And it's like, but you you made the choice to be offended. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and I'm not saying there's not, there, there are things to be offended by. There are horrible things that go on in the world. You know what I mean? Of but course. I don't think comedy is necessarily one of those things. I know, bro. But what do I know? That's a, that's I do a podcast. Fish to fry. Yeah, exactly, dude. Exactly. But I did want to, I just wanted to literally talk to you about the Jamie Kennedy experiment because it is such a, it was such a, a positive show in my life like to be able to it was the first time i worked on something where i would say i work on this and people like holy shit you work on that and it was like it was very cool you know what i mean because temptation island if i go back to illinois i go i worked on tempt my friends would be like let it let it do work on i don't give a shit that was a hit though it was a hit but not to people that i knew not to dudes my age like uh, men from the midwest who wanted to like drink beers in a garage weren't like hey well well, who's getting on temptation island like but a prank show where somebody gets fucked with and like weird characters. That's a very, that hits home. You know what I mean? People enjoyed that shit. You know, it was very funny. Uh, you were a good boss. Um, and it was just, a, it was a, it was a pleasure to work on, man. And it did, it laid the groundwork. I'm, I'm like a hidden camera guy in production. If, if there's a hidden camera show going on for the most part, I will eventually get a phone call. You know what I mean? Really? It's, it's it's kind of, for a while it annoyed me because I wanted to branch out and do more scripted stuff, even behind the camera. But now I think it's, I kind of look at it as like a badge what, of honor. What was your last hidden camera show you worked on? Uh, the last one I did, oh, I did, the, I worked on Bad Trip, the Eric Andre movie. You did? Yeah, yeah. I helped, I helped, I was in the writer's room for a little bit. I'm sure none of my ideas were used. And then they did reshoots in LA. I become a, I become a hole filler. So like they did reshoots in LA and they needed someone to kind of like poke around and fill some holes. And that's what I did for like two and a half, three weeks. Wait a minute. So you've been working on hitting camera all this time? I did all the original eight cycles of punked. Uh, I did a show called 401 that was um, by Catalyst, by Ashton's company at the time. And then I did a show called The Real Wedding Crashers, which is also Ashton's company. And then we came back, did more punked. And then I did Code 9 with uh, Mark Herwick for the Disney Channel. And then I worked on... Have you been working on something every year? No, there have been there have been huge gaps because hidden camera went away for a long Dude, time. Dude, it's so funny. I don't get the call for hidden camera. <laughs> I gotta see Bad Trip. I heard it's awesome. Dude, it is literally hilarious from beginning to end. It's the funniest hidden camera movie I've ever seen. It's so fucking Whoa. funny that my mom laughed her ass off. You know what I, I mean? Gotta like see it. it's so good, dude. It's literally That's such a good Dude, that's such a good lineage. You did all that stuff, and now you're still current with that movie. And and but that's the thing is like there are shows in there that I've worked on that I don't talk about, like the other show I mentioned. But like Jamie Kennedy Experiment, the beginning of Punked, and Bad Trip are three super influential 
very well done, amazing crews, amazing talent. It's just all around funny and worthwhile. You know what I mean? Um, and that is like, I'm not a prank guy. I don't prank my friends. I don't, you know, that's just not, but like working in hidden camera, I've learned a great deal about humans. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I'm like, Oh my God, this person, they know it's oh the bits over. And then it'll be like, nah, hang on. And then you kind of watch them be human and like realize that, okay, maybe I'm not on a hidden camera show. Maybe I'm just being an asshole in public. Okay. Uh, I'll calm mm -hmm. down. And then they're mm -hmm. back on the hook. It's like people would, would get away from it and then you could bring them back in. And it was just a really unique, especially in, in Hollywood. It's a unique thing you know what i mean not everybody works in hidden camera when you work with people on a hidden camera show who have never worked on a hidden camera show there is a lot of that they have to learn no matter how long they've been in the business there's stuff that they just don't understand until they see it go down and they're like oh yeah that makes sense now so i mean yeah it, it's been it, it it helped launch me and also like that was right around when i started doing stand-up like i just started to do stand-up like, as i was like, getting on that show so it was you know it 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 also kind of fueled that like more comedy, more comedy. Like let, let's, let's keep going with this. Let's keep doing more comedy. So, I, you know, again, it was, I'm very appreciative that the show existed, that you were the guy and that I had a position that I could, and I was green enough to talk to you. Like I knew you, even though I shouldn't have, you know what I mean? Like now, if I was a PA on a show and they're like, this is the main guy, I'd be like, hey, how you doing? And I'd walk away and I'd only, whenever that guy needed something, I'd be there. But otherwise, but I like approached you like, hey, here's my business card. Hey, I got an idea for a script. And you were like, okay, I like the initiative. But again, you're like, you're getting makeup on. There's all these people around. The cameras are going into hides. We're about to start shooting. Everybody's fucking nervous. It's like, maybe keep that for later. But, <laughs> but not knowing any better also helped me out, you know. So who knows? But man, wow. uh, I know you got a show to get to tonight. What else you got going on? You want to plug anything? You got... Uh, um, I mean, I had a couple movies that are out now. Yeah, they're still call. out, right? Yeah, on Amazon Prime. Um, Last Call, it's a comedy. Um, I have another movie, Roe v. Wade. That's not a comedy. That's <laughs> <also on> <laughs> That'd be a terrible name for a comedy. <laughs> right, right. That's on Amazon. Uh, I have my special, Jim, uh, Stupid oh, yeah. Smart. That's on Amazon and Tubi and I'm on the road a lot. You can just go to my website, jimmykane.com, and, uh, you know, I've got some stuff cooking, but it's not done yet. So right now, we're just yeah. getting back to it. So right now, I'm just looking for my tour dates. Yeah. And my what? podcast, Hate to Break It To You. Oh, yeah. Nice. Um, and I know you mentioned Eddie Murphy being a huge influence on you earlier, and then you worked, you were in Bowfinger. What, real quick, how was that for you? I mean, because that was before Jake, Jamie Kennedy experiment, right? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was comedy PhD, you know, super uh, graduate student class. Like it was rarest of air, you know. Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy, two icons, you know, that bookended me. You know, one that introduced me to comedy, and then one that made that, you want to do it. Yeah, you know what I mean, and, and I mean they both made me want to do it. But like, I never saw comedy until I saw King Cut, and then I never, you know, realized I wanted. I, I didn't even. I I never imitated comedy until I started imitating, you know, Eddie Murphy characters on SNL, and then listening to Steve's albums, listening to Eddie's albums, and then I was like, wow. And then I just ended up catching myself, you know, after a year of reciting all their stuff, going, maybe I should try this, but I didn't even know. 
I never thought I could do it. So to do it and then get laughs and then to end up working with the two of the people that did it, it was like, so I just was like, I was the opposite of you with me. Um, I was like head down, you know, <laughs> I didn't even speak until I was spoken to him. Even then, is that me? Are you sure? Like, yeah. And that's how I've always been, you know, because I understand, you know, I was always raised to people, you know, you know, youngins are seen, not heard, you know, and I don't disrespect to anybody or you. No, I mean, yeah. But I was also a way to absorb shit, you know, and so, you know, no, when those guys open their mouth, that's like knowledge that it's not going to, you know, not a lot of people are going to be privy to. So I was pretty much a fly on the wall and yeah, it was insane. It was incredible. Yeah, it's a great movie too, man. And uh, I just there's there's something about that though. There's just something about you know this business, like the things that in, inspire us to get into it. Like like if you talk to Jonah Ray, he like what inspired him to get into comedy was Mystery Science Theater, and now he's the host of Mystery Science Theater. You know what I mean? Like wow, it's like a, it's it stuff comes first. Sort of like you're listening to Eddie Murphy albums, you're listening to Steve Martin, you're watching SNL, and then you're in a movie with these guys, like the guys that made you want to do the thing you're doing, you're now doing yeah. it with them. That shit to me is wild and will never get old. You know what I mean? Yeah, I no, love it's, that. put your mind to it, man. Yeah. It can happen. It's like literally you can make it happen with, you know, just keep your eye on the prize, you know? And, 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 it's, and, and it's hard work. Like you didn't just show up and go, what character am I doing today? You know what I mean? Like what you did for the Jamie King was endless preparation you know what i mean it was like just with the scripts and the beats and then the makeup and the how do you carry yourself with this character and you're you're a different person every time we shot you know what i mean you couldn't just be a character in a movie where you then progressed through the movie and you knew your role and you knew how this certain character was going to grow you had to put a backstory a front story and a middle story all into one thing and make that the whole thing for just five, ten minutes of, you know, footage that would make the sketch or make the prank, and then you had to be a different character. So it was like, it was just, it's a lot of work. And for an actor, it's pretty impressive. You know what I mean? They're, they're not, shit, I know there's not a lot of actors at all that could do that. You know what I mean? They can act. They could get into a character. They could develop a character. But they can't just be a different guy or a different woman every day. You know? It's it's difficult. Well, thank you, bro. It's, yeah, man. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a real... Uh, lucky time in my life and i'm glad that you were a part of it dude it's so cool that we're still you know incommunicado uh, the fact that like i can go to be a show on a show at the comedy store and you're there at the, to me that's my full circle that's like oh the guy that i used to work for i can now like like i don't know if you remember the last time we were at the store you were like oh man it's so crazy we're on the same show and i go yeah it's and i think i was going on after you and i was like thank you for opening for me and you're like you're a fucking dickhead <laughs> That was a big crowd that night. Good crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, a fun, <laughs> it was a fun show. Well, Jamie, uh, I won't keep you, man. You're in Brea tonight? Is that where you're? Irvine. Uh, tomorrow I'm in tomorrow. Brea. Copy. So, yeah, if, if, if this airs before then. It won't. <laughs> it's not going to air tomorrow morning. Well, all right, man. Thank you so much for taking the time, and uh, best of luck, and I definitely will see you around, man. Yeah, dude, you got my number. Use it anytime. You and got I'll it. See dude. you very soon on the stage, yeah. bro. Yes, absolutely, man. Thank you. <laughs>